You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to Flipping Tables episode 90. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards. And uh, I think your your Mario Maker celebration party is is not <laughs> over. I don't want to say it's over, but you you've got some follow up thoughts from last week. So it was positively glowing last week, and the <laughs> game is still so much fun. I look forward to playing it every day, just about. Um, but it kind of also like it being so good just makes the things that suck so much worse. And what I mean by <laughs> things that suck, and I mean anything involving the internet and Nintendo. And so Mario Maker at its core is about sharing levels over the internet to other players, <laughs> and they've set up a very basic, very, very basic service for that. So you start off, you can only upload 10 levels, and I thought that was it, but Benji t- tells me the more I play that I get a bigger upload bank, so that's fine. Um, but... Man, I, so I've got a whole list here. So number one is it, I was just immediately like thinking I was at lunch the other day at work and I was like, man, I'd love to be making a level right now during, <laughs> during my lunch break. Like there's no reason they couldn't have put out a phone or a web-based level builder and, uh, you know, still make people buy the game to play levels, but just give me a builder that would let people on the fence try it out. Um, it'd be sort of a, a funnel to, to pour people into this game and, uh, I also, to go with that, that means there needs to be a Nintendo account you sign into once for everything everywhere. <laughs> um, this is something that's plagued their consoles forever. As you switch consoles, you have to do this like 15-hour system transfer. Even um, Sony has nailed this. And, yeah. and Sony, historically, like they swing for the fences on web stuff, but sometimes they just strike completely out. <laughs> but every once in a while, they knock it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I really like one of the funnest things when I was doing couch multiplayer with my brother was getting to watch him play my level. And there's just nothing in place for me to do that virtually. There's no Twitch support. There's no live streaming. There's not even like a recording function so that um, I, I can asynchronously watch him try my level or even like a, a low, like low file size, like say like replay file that i could download or something that just has his actions and i can like you know like starcraft has those but nothing like that it's really (laughs) just like a a screenshot at the end and he can do a little like super low res doodle of like ha which is almost always probably just a big dick (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's a little lacking um but maybe worst of all is the level discovery so I described it the other day to you as basically as good as the iOS app store. (laughs) (laughs) Not a compliment. (laughs) So they have like a featured section, which it's really not clear why certain things are featured. And I mean, they're usually like interesting levels, like it's a musical note level. It just plays a song or it's some one of those automatic Rube Goldberg machines. But if you get any more interested in exploring, it's kind of like, well, Hope you have some other source for <laughs> where to find levels. And so there's there's a thriving subreddit for Mario Maker, and 
you know, the only way to share levels is these 16 digit codes that you have to type in like an animal. <laughs> what is it with Nintendo and really long alphanumeric strings? <laughs> I don't know. Friend codes, yeah. level codes. So all that whole experience is just, it could be so much better. And the core game is so good that it makes you want everything else to be so much better. You know, I hate to say anything positive about QR codes ever, but doesn't the Wii gamepad, the Wii U gamepad, have a little camera on it? Yep. Well, this sounds like a good opportunity for some freaking QR codes. Like, then you could just... Yeah, like hold my phone up. Yeah, just, oh, here, this is the level I want, or my friend texted me this level code, or if there was just a store, you know, storefront, whatever, like an index of levels that was searchable... Then you've got, you know, this gamepad with buttons and a touchscreen that you could be swiping on and then saying like this level, but I don't I don't know how they are still so bad at this stuff. <laughs> like this seems like an area they should have come around on by now. Yeah. Do you think okay, so I feel like there's design issues here and then there's like technology issues because having an infrastructure that would support uh, recorded levels and all that stuff like that's that that's a little bit of a hurdle right like that's an infrastructure issue if they're going to host those videos they got to have somewhere to host them if they're going to use like twitch or youtube or something they've got to work out it because you know how nintendo feels about youtube so like they've <laughs> got to work all that out but then things like the level codes like that they could fix that in a patch you know the crappy search on their their level interface whatever they call it like that's that's fixable, right? Those are things they could be fixing right now, but they're probably yeah. not. <laughs> no, they're never going to. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it could, like, I think this game is kind of a hit. I think it'll be a hit with whatever market share the Wii U can garner, um, which isn't going to be anything too crazy. <laughs> but um, I just wonder if they had nailed the web sharing discovery, like, made it so irresistible, had those, like, you know, an online level builder that gets people trying it out before they're even officially owners of the game. Like, all that stuff could turn this into a very long-lasting, like, five years of relevance game instead of a one year. Well, in the, the webby builder, like, mobile app builder thing, that actually really fits in with the design of the game in my mind because imagine, like, okay, so you have Mario Maker and I don't even own a Wii U. But I do have an iPad or, you know, a Surface Book or some kind of tablet device. And you say, oh, go download this mobile app. It's free. You create a universal Nintendo account. So if you ever do get like a 3DS or a Wii U, you'll have your one true Nintendo account already set up. And then if you don't create an account, you can. OK, so you get there. You don't have an account, but you can still use the level builder. Oh, you want to save your level? OK, now you have to create your your one time universal Nintendo account. Oh, you actually want other people to play these levels? Well, you have to beat it first, so you're going to have to buy the game. Yeah. Like, did you spend you know, all of your lunch hours for two weeks building this masterful level on your iPad, and now you really want to play it? You should probably go buy a Wii U. Like, it fits right in with their staggered, like, you know, yeah. dripping out of tool sets and dripping out of functionality. Like, it just, it's. It lowers, you know, it's a it's a, a factor on the lower side of the chain instead of the the expert side of the chain. But I think it would be an awesome funnel to pull people in, and that's why they'll never do it. Because <laughs> Nintendo is also starting to hate success. <laughs> it's such I can't imagine being in charge of a multi billion dollar company, 
And presumably, I mean, you know, I think you and I are pretty smart guys, but surely someone in the company has also had some of these ideas and went to upper management and upper management was like, no, the, the storage sheds are already full of hundred dollar bills. There's just, there's no more room for the money. We just, we can't, we can't be any more successful than we are. Uh, but there's a Zelda maker now. Yeah, I saw this. <laughs> so this is, I don't, what's this? Dream Mix? That can't be the right person. Anyway, some some talented modern person made a Zelda maker, which uh, you said you think it looks more like the original Zelda. I think it looks more like the original Zelda, but all original assets because they're trying yeah. desperately to minimize the likelihood that they'll get sued. <laughs> They'll get ceased and desisted, probably. Well, they already had. If so, this this video is in the show notes. The tool set actually looks pretty sophisticated. It's got a because you know a lot of the enemies roam, so there's like you can set up borders for enemies so that they won't roam outside of that border because that's just how you know their their AI tends to work. And uh, you can see right in the description that he actually had to re-upload this video because the original had Zelda music in it. And Nintendo already gave him a cease and desist for using Zelda music in a video about a <laughs> Zelda maker game. So he took that down. He re-uploaded it with different music. And it's, you know, alpha 0.0.1 version. And it, it looks good. I mean, I, I think if Nintendo really is smart, they will look at this and at least consider it. I mean, they'll never, if they, it, it's not like they're going to announce their internal processes, right? So presumably they're already thinking about things like this, but if it doesn't come to market, then we as the customers are just like, ah, oh, they're idiots. They never even thought about it. But I mean, let's be fair. They probably do, right? They probably consider all these ideas. And then for some unknown reason, they just don't ever act on them. Yeah. Well, and maybe Mario Maker, we hinted at this last week, will prove out that there's an appetite for this and they'll try other classic Zelda games. Did you... Or not yeah, just Zelda yeah, games, other Nintendo Other games. Metroid, your Mega Mans, if they could get the licensing. Did you watch the zero punctuation for Mario Maker? No. So he liked it in the way that he liked things. Like, he enjoyed it but hated everything about it. <laughs> and the thing that he actually harped on the most, which I was, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it's, it's Yahtzee, but he sees this as a complete surrender of the game designers on the part of, of Mario. Just like, like, okay, we're, we're out of ideas. We're done. Just screw it. And we're then done. <laughs> moreover, like the childish, like, Oh, you think you can make a great Mario game? Here you go. <laughs> Show us your great games. And then, of course, when you look at the actual quality of most of the levels, they're god-awful or they're gimmicks. And then you have people like you who make the expert kill everybody level. I don't know. I want this Zelda thing, though. But I I can almost... Yeah. I didn't look at the description, but I almost guarantee you it's going to be Windows only. <laughs> Why can't it just be browser-based? I now? don't know. You can't blame everybody for like, hey, person who's working for free, why don't you work in a tool set that supports what I like to use? <laughs> yeah, why don't you cater to my exact exactly. idiosyncrasies? But it's nice to see that, you know, this kind of thing seems like it would work. You know, the Zelda maker would work. Um, I don't really care about the overworld. I just want to do dungeons. But it seems like the idea yeah. would still play out as well as it has with Mario. 
the main thing I would hope, and I know they're trying to avoid getting destroyed by a lawsuit, is when you target Zelda, which era you go for you always to go the past. To the past. For, <laughs> yeah, and maybe I mean, there's nothing to stop them from having a classic Zelda tile set, but add the link to the past stuff in that style. But man, you aim for link <laughs> to the past. <laughs> I I mean, these graphics, these are in like that weird middle space where he's emulating Nintendo, the Nintendo art style, but it's more, it's way too sophisticated to be truly yeah. 8-bit. So it's, it's kind of like the Super Mario All-Stars yes. version. Yeah, it looks a lot like that. And, you know, again, I can't really blame him because he's trying so hard not to get sued. The one thing I have to give him ultimate credit for, having not played this, having only seen this video that's in the show notes that you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 90 is um, he <laughs> already in this ultra alpha version has two playable character sprites and the other one is Zelda. So good on him for making Zelda an actual playable character yes. outside of like Wand of Gamelon. <laughs> I wonder what Ganon's doing. <laughs> Just the worst. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to mention this Tesla thing. We, we talked about this really quick right before the show, but um, th- there's a lot more to be said here, but it's going to bear out a whole lot over the next few weeks. But I just want to mention Tesla released Tesla, the car company, not the man. He's dead. Tesla, the car company <laughs> released <laughs> their autopilot upgrade thing like their software patch that allows the car to basically drive itself and all the rules around it say like you have to keep your hands on the wheel you have to be ready to like disengage it at a moment's notice but it will like change lanes it'll park it speeds up and slows down like it you know drives itself it's an autopilot so there is a guy uh rod something um who is like he's a professional race car driver but he's a oh Alex Roy that was it Roy he's a uh, he's a huge proponent of self-driving cars and electric cars cuz presumably someone who drives a car for a living recognizes how bad most people are at driving cars so he drove this car coast to coast uh New York to LA in 57 hours and 48 minutes using only the autopilot so you know, this isn't really science fiction anymore. This isn't like, oh, this technology's coming and how's the world going to cope? It's here. It's already happened. It's already happened yeah. and is available at market. It's not like, oh, it exists in a lab, but no one can use it. No, it works. It's available. You could go buy it right now from a dealer and have a car that drives itself. And it's kind of funny because he actually has a bunch of driving records that are not recognized because all of them are illegal. So you can't uh, like the, the Guinness book of world records will not recognize an illegally obtained, you know, world record. So that's unfortunate, but at the same time he has data from the car to, to prove that he did this. You know, how long was the autopilot engaged? How much ground did you cover? How many times did you charge? Where did you charge? You know, how fast did you go? What roads were you on? Like the car logs, all that kind of stuff, because it has to, to function. So I just think this is like, I I want this. I want this years ago, like not yesterday. Like I want to have grown up in a world where people didn't drive cars. So now, now put this in all cars now and cars that don't have it, make them illegal. Like 
This is not constitutionally protected. No one is guaranteed the right to drive a car. Like, this is dumb. It's dangerous. It's it's expensive. It's the whole insurance racket is because of the likelihood you're going to murder someone. <laughs> like, just take all this away. We have the solution to this problem. <laughs> we have the votes, yeah. and we're saying So yes. I will be very interested to see. Um, and this autopilot thing, speaking of, like, this playing out over the next few weeks, uh, so Tesla, you know, put forth to have this approved in all the countries that they sell Teslas in. And it got approved in all of them, except as of this recording, Japan. It's still going through their like legal process, but they're probably going to approve it too. So that means in in a span yeah. of like a, a week or two, we will have had zero self driving cars on the road. And then even if it's only a few thousand, like that's a big change, right? Like almost. Yeah, that's a thousand percent change or <laughs> yeah. infinite percent change, depending. Yeah, so like overnight, we're going to go from like, oh, self-driving cars, that's, you know, fancy future technology to no, the guy down the street has one. And hopefully like one day I'll be the guy that has one. Twitter. So Twitter, man, Twitter news never stops coming. So, I mean, this Twitter had their big, what do they call it? Uh, not weave or fabric. Or, I think it is fabric. They have, the, oh, okay. Their, uh, their big annual conference where they say, hey, developers, really, we're not screwing you over anymore. Please, <laughs> please come back. Um, which uh, I realized the more I read about it, that third-party app developers, um, I, Twitter client developers, didn't really get much, and they... I don't really think they're going to ever help those people out much anymore. Um, they're really more like people building other kinds of apps that want to use Twitter stuff. We're going to be nice to you. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, live research here. Um, Fabric is one of their uh, their SDKs. The conference is called Flight. Uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, it does. Um well, anyway, Twitter's got a new feature coming out in, you know, official clients only, um, <laughs> and that's polls. So you'll be able to make uh, little polls, you tweet out, and I'm sure it'll be great for celebrities and people that have tens of thousands of followers. Um, I mean, Facebook had polls a long time ago. This doesn't seem like a game-changing feature, unless there's something magical about how Twitter's doing it. Well... I would say there's the opposite of magic happening here because <laughs> how many times have you, I don't know how many celebrities you follow, but surely you have seen at least one influential person or a parody account say like Johnny Ive parody is like, you know, Oh, if you like the iPhone six retweet, if you want the iPhone six plus fave. And then, you know, that tweet of course gets a bajillion miles worth of traffic. Man, because if everyone... someone does that without being sarcastic, I'd probably unfollow them immediately. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so maybe you have insulated yourself from a lot of this, but uh, the Twitter polls, you can only have two choices. So like they took the use case that was happening in the wild and they did the laziest official <laughs> interpretation of it because you, I mean, they don't have to say, you know, it's not yes, no, it's not option A, option B, but it's only two choices. So you've turned everything into a polarizing black and white issue. <laughs> so is it your first poll going to be Twitter polls is bad or the worst? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of people who did that. But here's the thing. Uh, on third-party clients like I'm using, you still see the tweet, 
but not the pole. So now, like, there's I noticed, no reason it couldn't just be content that's visible. Yeah. So now, a couple of the the tweets I've seen over the last few days, because this just came out like yesterday or two days ago or something. Um, there, it's just a tweet with a question like that makes no sense <laughs> <laughs> because if you don't see the context of like, oh, those are my response choices that they want me to choose from. Then so it's you're just, just like, going to see tweets like, all right, which is it, folks? And then nothing. Yes, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm seeing. And I'm like, uh, and then I put it together in my mind. And I was like, oh, I'll bet this is a poll. But I'm sure as hell not going to switch clients or go to my computer from my phone and and answer this poll. Like, no poll is that important. Yeah, there's. I just don't see this feature becoming more than a niche. I just... I I honestly would have preferred they just didn't have it show up in third party clients at all. Like just just don't even let me see it. I don't care. You you know I don't care because I'm not using the main client. <laughs> so <sighs> two options, Mike. And he, oh, I'll admit, I don't know where the cutoff should be because if you say more than two, then it's how many? Should it be infinite? Should people be able to just have like a bajillion? poll response options no that would be annoying should they be able to have three why three why not four why four why not five like yes that is a difficult thing to hash out but two just seems like dumb like it's i don't know yeah it is kind of arbitrary but four is the right answer it's four Um, four a b c d just just because multiple choice questions are four for some reason (laughs) well you have to have what is it the correct answer two highly plausible answers and then one obvious wrong answer and then the all of the above and then the none of the above uh, and then the <laughs> a c and d and then the oh god <laughs> see at this point it's like hey what if uh you didn't have polls and you just let people like have an engaging conversation oh <laughs> oh we could already answer each other on twitter oh okay I, i'm sorry I'm... They, they they really just wanted to use more bootstrap buttons that must be it <laughs> I don't, can you let, let's pretend in in a perfect world they brought this to third party clients? Then would you care about this ever? <laughs> like, is it just that it's not in the but client? This is using? not a perfect world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I mean, it would be a nice little nod. Um, it, there's things like HTML and plain text and things that can <laughs> go to you know any platform pretty simply. <laughs> yeah, I don't maybe. It's because when I solicit questions from people, it, I'm typically not asking. I'm not. As, I'm not outsourcing coin flips to the internet. You know, like I don't go to people and say, like, do I go left or right, and then I see <laughs> which one they decide, or do I see, you know, this movie or that movie, and then I let other people decide. I usually would just say, what movie should you know is good that I should see right now? Like I'm going to the movies this weekend, so what's going to be in theaters this weekend that I should see? Because then I want people to like make their case. I don't want them to just yeah. bark responses at me, and then I just do whatever the will of the people is. Like that's a weird. This seems very like celebrity focused. Like no normal yeah. person is going to be able to get a high enough quantity of responses that this would be actually useful. <laughs> so for normal people, it's just like a trivial, like oh look, I made a poll. And then for celebrities, it's like you were already getting this level of engagement. So all we've done is clean up. Yeah, I'm waiting for Kate Upton's to just be poll, download Game of War, <laughs> download Game of War. <laughs> yeah, that 
her, I'm sure her social media handlers are crafting those perfect give me 99 cents tweets right now. <laughs> well, even like, okay, so in this TechCrunch article, the screenshot at the very top of the article that's their example uh, from the original Twitter, Twitter article, I think, is did the ref make the right call? Yup, he got it right. No, he was way off. Even those are not accurate because the correct answer might be he made the correct call by the letter of the rules, but the rules are flawed. Or, yeah. <laughs> well, that just happened in baseball because there was a guy who slid and broke the leg of a second baseman. And, you know, when they're trying to get a double play, the, it's a very common for the guy running to second to s- try to slide in a disruptive yeah. way to make it harder for him to throw. But this was, like, really obviously sliding, like, five feet out from the base and hitting the fielder. And uh, everyone was like, according to the rules, that's fine. But he broke his leg, and it seems well, like this is a dumb rule. I can't rule. believe baseball, of all sports, doesn't have a, like sportsman-like conduct kind of rule? I mean, don't they? God, even football has, like, unnecessary roughness. Well, well, it was just part of the game that you could do a disruptive slide. It's just this guy was pushing it to the limit of just, I'm going to slide way out here. And it doesn't, like, it's obvious he's not trying to slide in to be safe. Yeah. There's no attempt made at the bag. It's straight target on the guy. See, this is at least something that modern sports benefits from, uh, like, super slow-mo. Because I think, you know, if you can see as he's sliding in, he also has... I mean, I haven't seen the clip, but I'm just exaggerating. Like, if he's sliding in, you know, with one arm reaching out for the bag and the other one, like, obviously swinging for the knee, like, he's trying to, like, shatter the guy's kneecap with, you know, a right hook as he's sliding in, then on slow-mo, you could say, like, well... Yeah, no, you were trying to do harm. So, you know, it's typically not quite that aggressive and obvious, but at the same time, at least, oh, you found a video. Thanks, internet. (laughs) But, you know, I I feel like baseball has a whole, like, you know, um, culture of gentlemanly sportsmanship. So let's say it's, okay, throws it. No, no, that was not sliding. That's the opposite. <laughs> he was not, the opposite of sliding. Yeah. That was just kicking a guy and falling down while kicking a guy. He's three feet away from the bag. <laughs> See, this is the reaction that baseball fans had for like a couple weeks in a row. And, you know, at least, uh, you know, kind of baseball's not a collision sport. Like there's no, there's no tackling, normal, or no normal mechanic for hitting people. The only exception is. The catcher, there's collisions at home plate sometimes, and the catcher is equipped. Yeah. Like he's got a full body pads and a helmet. And I mean, we know that that doesn't necessarily protect you <laughs> from concussions, but at least that situation was a little less insane. But this is just like, what is a fielder supposed to do? You can't really defend Get yourself. Get your leg broken. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a little far away from Twitter <laughs> polls, but. See, but this is the kind of thing that I think. At least, like, it engenders a interesting conversation where, you know, like, a modern young baseball fan who's grown up with, like, more aggressive sports might say, like, yeah, baseball's changing and, and it's becoming a more aggressive sport and you should 
be okay with that. And then older friends could be like, oh, no, this is crap. Like, if you want a rugby game, go play rugby. Like, we have other aggressive (laughs) sports. You don't have to make all sports more aggressive over time. But with Twitter polls, it's like, did the ref make the right call? Yes or no? (laughs) It's like, when are things that binary? Very seldom. And when they are, it's not that interesting of a discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I do think with your your, uh, newer, older fans thing, it's flipped. I think older fans are like, well, it's part of the game. I mean, you slide that way, so they can't throw it to first. And newer people are like, that is dumb. Why? Oh, really? No, stop it. (laughs) Oh, that's a little... Well, we don't have to turn this into a whole thing about baseball, but... That is a little surprising yeah. to me. I would have thought older fans would be like, "No, it's a the you know sport of gentlemen. It's 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 not <laughs> your righteous rough football. It's you wear a cap and play in a park." Very George Carlin. Uh, now I have to go watch that again. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube Red, Tube Red, Tube Red, Tube. <laughs> no, not that um, last one. <laughs> Particularly not that last one. So YouTube. Uh, in the grand tradition of Google being amazing at everything except naming, <laughs> has announced a new product called YouTube Red. And if you are new to this planet and have never heard of RedTube, it is a really famous porn site, obviously modeled off of um, YouTube's you know branding and 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 all that. So it's yeah okay YouTube Red. We get it. The color is red. And so it's like, you know, the black, you know, like Johnny Walker black going for like the, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, Johnny Ive white, <laughs> Johnny Ive white. Uh, you should not have done that Google. Um, but we don't have to make a whole thing about the name. Let's talk about what it actually does. So, well, one last thing on the name, at least it's <laughs> short, at least it's not YouTube all access key play store journeyman. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's, YouTube all access or or YouTube free maybe or YouTube I don't know. See, I'm not good at naming things either, but I'm also not in charge of naming things for multi billion dollar companies, so maybe I would put more effort into it if I was. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so this product, this product space notion idea is uh what if we had ad free YouTube? Not the BS way Hulu does it where they take your money and then still serve you ads. (laughs) But what if you could actually watch YouTube with zero ads? And when I say zero ads, I mean zero ads because they're actually going to ban videos that have interstitial ads. So that's another part of this conversation. But it's $9.99 a month. No ads on YouTube from any device you're logged into. So your phone, if you log into YouTube on your PlayStation... You're logged in on your laptop. You're not going to see any ads. And then where you would have seen an ad, because of course it still knows whether or not an ad would have played, yeah. then that money from your $9.99 is going to go toward that that creator. So they're still making money. You don't have to put up with ads. This is exactly what everyone has said they always wanted, and this is probably going to fail terribly, and nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just going to reinforce the, you say you want to spend money, but you don't actually want to spend money like business side. Like if you're on the business side and you're like, Hey, look, we gave you an opportunity to give us money and you're not giving yeah. us any. So now you have to shut up because we proved you're liars. Yeah. I mean, from Google and hopefully the content creators perspective, it kind of doesn't matter either way because they'll either show ads and get revenue from that or people will pay. And it's kind of, you know, even they may not have that pressure to have to get subscribers. 
Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, this. I think this is actually a really good product, and unless something scandalous, like say the name was associated with like a well-known porn site or something ridiculous, like unless there was some kind of <laughs> scandalous thing, there's really no reason to take this away. Like now that the machinery to collect money from people is in place. If only 1% of YouTube users ever subscribe, like let those people pay, right? Like it's just fine. Let them pay because the creators still get money. Google still gets money from, you know, ads and, and, and skimming off the top of the, the 999. And it's that, that to me seems fine. And I should say for anybody who is thinking, wow, $10 a month for no ads on YouTube, like ads don't bother me that much. First off, shut up, hypocrite. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, this they've bundled this together with Google Play All Access Journeyman Pro Plus music. <laughs> I like that Journeyman got put in there. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a non sequitur. <laughs> um, so if you already have Google Play Music, the the paid plan for that, you're just going to get YouTube Red for free. And if you buy YouTube Red, you're going to get ad-free music streaming for free. So in that light, $10 a month is actually not that bad. Like unlimited video and unlimited music with no ads. It's that's pretty good. That's a reasonable service price, I think. Yeah. There's nothing else like that on the market. That's just video and music together like that. Um, I, I could see people that pay for Spotify being like, well, I don't have that weird of a music taste. I'm sure literally everything I listen to is on Google also. Yeah. And my, why not get YouTube for free thrown in? So I could see attracting some of those people. Um, for the the regular Joe that's just like ads, well, I paid $10 a month to not have ads. I don't see that working that well from that side. No. Um, because, I mean, when you when you talk about Netflix or HBO or some of these other ones, that's because that's a lot of content you can't easily get otherwise legally. <laughs> um, and so like, it feels like you're getting something new when you subscribe to Netflix, whereas YouTube, it's like, well, I'm still getting all the same stuff. It's just a little more streamlined, a little smoother. Right. Well, and there's some other things that are, are a little bit more edge cases that I don't, I don't know if we have answers to these issues yet. Um, but before that, uh, I, I was listening actually to another show that has one of my all-time favorite internet technology people, Gina Trapani, and she made what I thought was a really good point about who the target market for a product like this really is. Because most people immediately said older people, you know, like people over 30 who have disposable income, but still are, you know, technology people, they're going to want to pay for this. Whereas the people who actually use YouTube the most young children, you know, like children under 20, they don't have the disposable income for this. So they're going to keep seeing ads. But her counter argument was, I have a four year old who watches, you know, Sesame Street on YouTube, because all of Sesame Street stuff is on YouTube. I don't want my four year old seeing ads for Geico insurance when they're when yeah. they're watching Sesame Street. So I will pay for it because my child gets a lot of use out of YouTube. And I was like, that's actually a really interesting point because it, it, the more companies start treating YouTube like a place to surface um, like professionally made content and it's not just videos of people falling down flights of stairs and stupid nonsense, then the more you're going to see like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a TV show and it happens to be on YouTube and I really don't want to see ads. 
You know, like if I was going to watch The Daily Show on YouTube, I would be happy to not see ads, right? Because I'm watching like an actual program. It's not just a 30 second stupid video. So like then it, it, I think as much as this is a, a way to placate people who are like, oh, I don't want to see ads on YouTube. I think this is also offering a little bit of an olive branch to say like, hey, we're a serious video platform and serious video platforms have a way to opt out of ads because that's the way the market has gone. So could yeah. you see more movies and TV shows being attracted to YouTube as a platform if they know that it's going to attract serious subscribers who watch dozens of hours of content? So this is where um, Google democratizing things may actually, for the time being, scare off some of that because they, they don't make special deals. Disney does not get a better cut of revenue than random Joe Blogger. And I'm sure Disney does. Disney signed on, so they're they're on board. <laughs> but um, I could see some companies being like, "No, Google, we want 95 percent of the revenue, not 55 percent." Right. And uh, you know, I think they're used to hardballing with their content to to get better deals. Um, but I kind of like that about this. That it's like, no, it's it's one rate. I don't care who you are. Like this is this is how this works. I'm also assuming that. Some people like, you know, say you have a a 12 year old who does nothing but watch Let's Plays all day, every single day. They're going to go through that $9.99 worth of ad dollars super fast. But like you or I, you know, if, if we paid for it, we don't watch enough. I do not watch enough videos on YouTube that I spend the equivalent of $10 a month going towards creators. Yeah. So like if the pool will kind of hopefully shake itself out. Because that's the one way I could see this becoming a loss that would be big enough for them to take notice. If only, you know, 20 people start using this and they're all ultra hardcore YouTube users, they're eating through their $10 worth of ad revenue in like, you know, the first weekend of the month. And then the rest of the month, they're basically just paying nothing for videos that they're watching. So I wonder if that could that hurt creators? Like, would Google take notice of that lost revenue? Well, Google wouldn't because yeah, they're know. billionaires, but the creators might notice. <laughs> like that, Google will then have to subsidize that lost revenue. They can't just say like, "Well, the nine ninety nine pod is out of money." Sorry, yeah. PewDiePie, no fifteen million dollars for you. <laughs> um, I I do wonder if because this is a this YouTube Red is not an exclusive for the creator side. Like they could still embed branding or sponsorships in their videos. No, they cannot. They can't. They, well, they okay. can do. See, this is part of the thing that we don't totally have clear answers on. They can do sponsorships. So, like, I could hold up my phone and be like, oh, Samsung is paying me to review this Samsung phone. Here's the Samsung, 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 Samsung. But what I can't do is say, oh, here's a video where I'm explaining why the sky is blue, brought to you by Samsung. So I think that... It, how are they going to police that? I have that? no idea. That's why like YouTube, <laughs> people who make a living on YouTube are really nervous because the rules are very unclear. How they're going to be enforced is unclear. What's acceptable and what's not is kind of unclear. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking of like, you know, YouTube gamers that, you know, they ha they they stream for three hours and they're used to having like sponsored ad breaks independent from Google's yeah. stuff. And like now it's kind of like, well, I guess I'm going to Twitch if they really had an all or nothing 
Um, I, th- I thought like, yeah, you can't have, you can't force ads through the YouTube platform, but you could have things in your video that, you know, Spider-Man flipping <laughs> over to Dr. Pepper again. Well, and see, this is where it's fuzzy because if I'm, let's say I'm, I'm a super successful uh, Let's Player and I'm sponsored by Red Bull, like is having Red Bull cans facing the camera, does that count as a sponsorship or do I have to actually say out loud, brought to you by Red Bull? You know, so it's like, where are those lines and, and are the rules going to be clear? And if whether they're clear or not, how will they be enforced? I mean, this is all really bizarre for people who may, you know, for me as the, the customer, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to see ads. But for the creators, it's like, well, this is how I make my living. I need to know if something I'm doing is suddenly against the rules. And that's how I built my whole business. And then there's other yeah. edge issues that I haven't really heard anyone talk about because I don't think there's any information around them. But is this going to extend to all of YouTube? So like, will the the ads that play during YouTube gaming are those now going to be gone? Okay. Yes. Okay. So, I yeah. read that. Yeah. It, it. Which that's one thing I would praise about this is that they didn't do it in half measure. They didn't say, well, there's some holdouts, so no matter what, they get ads because they didn't sign on a new agreement. Um, there were, there were kind of some FUD articles about like Google being a mafia <laughs> and making an offer people couldn't refuse. But, you know, it makes so much sense to me that we're moving everyone to this because we want YouTube Red to have actual <laughs> value so that if you pay for it, there's no holdouts, there's no weird content that's exempt. And... It's simpler. It's very easy to explain because of that. It's pay and there are no ads. Don't pay and you get to watch ads. That's it. I think because, you know, we're podcasters, we listen to a lot of podcasts. I think I'm actually pretty okay with native ads. So, you know, like in the middle of a a Twit podcast, you know, Leo takes a break and says, hey, Casper mattresses are awesome. And that like, I'm, I don't know why, but to me, that's very very different than watching a television show where they say we'll be right back and then it's a whole separate (laughs) the loudest thing of all time suddenly explodes and starts yelling at you (laughs) so i don't know if it's just because it seems more respectful they're certainly not shorter like sometimes leo and and uh and and paul therod will start talking about a book during an audible ad and it will literally go for like four or five full minutes I mean, it's it's definitely not faster, but like he, so Paul Thorat like raved about this book that I actually went and bought because he raved about it, and I was like, oh my god, it's amazing! And then like I bought more books in that series, so that was a useful advertisement. I can't think of any product I've ever yeah. seen like while watching The Daily Show on Hulu where it cuts to you know a a vol a full max volume ad for something where I'm like, I need to go buy that. Like literally, not once. I cannot think of a single time. Yeah, well, it's perfect on podcasts because the reason you're listening to the podcast is you presumably enjoy listening to these people talk. They're they're smart. They make good arguments. They have good reasoning. And so when they do it right and apply that same aesthetic and rhetoric to products that they hopefully don't <laughs> actually hate but actually can legitimately endorse then yeah, it's engaging podcasting still. It's like, yeah, I, maybe I'm not in the market for a Casper mattress right now, but these smart guys are talking about it and you know, that's engaging. Yeah, 
What's the video equivalent? Of I mean, that? I, during you know, let's plays, I feel like are one of the biggest things in in streaming video right now. Let's plays and unboxing. It's weird how many people want to watch other people open a box, but whatever, kids. Um, so, so <laughs> I think those things. Did you like that? That was right into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, those things are are still pretty well set up for what would you call it? Inline advertising, native advertising. Na- yeah. So, yeah, you know, native, if a guy is playing a, a, a let's play of, of this, that crazy car soccer game. And you know, he's got a Red Bull can next to him and he says out loud, like, you know, oh, I'm kicking this guy's ass sponsored by Red Bull. Like that's, that's more of a joke. Like I would laugh at that if he like attributed his success to Red Bull in that way. Cause it would be <laughs> kind of like, Oh, it's funny. It's a sponsor. And he's making a joke out of it. Or, if, you know, uh, a woman's doing like an unboxing of a new HTC phone or something. And she's like, you know, Oh, and I've got the phone set on top of this beautiful table from Ikea. It's like, Oh, okay. She's sponsored by Ikea. Like that's, that's fine. But I don't want before the video starts to be hit with like a 45 second Ikea ad. Even though it's basically the same thing, something about like the delivery and the placement just makes it feel very different. I think it really it yeah. does boil all back to that. Do things boil backwards? It boils down to that uh, <laughs> the it, the conversation feel. You know, a native ad. You're not stupid. You know that it's an advertisement, and there's laws and rules around having to be forthright that something is an advertisement when it's native advertising. But it still feels like, oh, my friend is recommending an Ikea table to me, not Ikea is trying to sell me an Ikea table. And that's, I still know it's an ad. It's not brainwashing. I'm not going to run out and buy a table just because the woman told me instead of an ad. But But it's a couple ticks closer to word of mouth. Like, it has that feel. It's the (laughs) advertorial I did notice you are not thrilled about the the background audio feature with YouTube Red. I'm just not <laughs> impressed. I'm whatever that gymnast face <laughs> is right now. <laughs> um, mainly because that was a thing that was possible earlier on in YouTube's mobile history is you could pull up a video if you're like the young people, <laughs> the youth these days, um, and you use YouTube for music then you could pull up a song and then leave the app and do whatever else you want and it would keep playing. And they took that away and now they brought it back so if you pay Let me double check this with you. Is that actually true? Because I do not remember ever being able to put YouTube in the background on a mobile device ever and having that work. Well, I think it, on iOS it was. And this may have been when Apple uh, made the YouTube okay. app and not Google. So this is pre-iOS 6. Isn't 6 when they killed it and had Apple Maps <laughs> explode onto the scene like the Kool-Aid man? Um. Okay, so that so we're talking a long time ago and for a very specific reason on a specific platform. Okay. Yeah, this is like three or four years ago when it disappeared. Um, Background audio is obviously not a tentpole <laughs> feature, though they list it as one of the top features. You know, on I've YouTube always Red thought site. people who use YouTube for music are confusing in an era of so many free or cheap and ubiquitous music services. Like, why would you use 10 times as much bandwidth 
to play the same song with more ads, probably at a lower quality because it's not designed to transmit decent quality audio. That's not its function. Like, why would you do that? And it's like, oh, because you cut your teeth right before music streaming services were the way they are now. You know, people were doing this right before Spotify and right before like RDO and Google Play All Access Music and all these things really took off. And let's let's forget title. Let's not forget title. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's the in the bootstrap. Every site looks the same way that the site looks. Um, The the three column highlight features. Third one is background play, and I mean it's fine. Like. I got nothing against the feature. It's a good feature. Something I've enjoyed with dedicated music apps since always. Um, but I guess, you know, I'm not going to be mad they added <laughs> well, as, it. As a- um, the other, I do have to complain about the, the this website having the Instagram filter young people <laughs> dancing around in a desert. or I think that's water. They must be yeah. by a beach or a lake or something. But it's just the... Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 oh, San Francisco. <laughs> All I do is listen to YouTube videos. I don't even watch them because I'm too busy and important. <laughs> My sunglasses are too strong. So I, I will say the more it. I've thought about this background feature, because every time this comes up and people freak out and they're like, oh, I should be able to listen to, to music in the background if I want to. My go-to response is like, you're dumb. Just use a music service. Why in God's name are you using YouTube as a music service? YouTube is not a music service. But... It occurred to me that there are actually <laughs> videos that I don't really want to watch. I just want to listen to and a good ex- interviews, TED interviews. talks, maybe some like short simple documentaries if I'm just listening for like the information, I don't really need the visuals. So yeah, there there are cases where I could see like oh background play is a valuable thing, but you know, a tentpole like number 3 on the list of 3 no other features are considered more valuable than this they're definitely not talking to the documentary crowd they're talking to the music crowd they're talking to the dancing on the beach and dark sunglasses crowd <laughs> watch out big documentary is going to come after you for saying that all right do you well before i just you have to about ask books. so you do pay for spotify you're you're a spot you're a dapper dan man as as we established <laughs> I don't want Fop. You, I want Dapper Dan. <laughs> for the the ten dollars that you're already spending on Spotify, right? Would you just maybe switch to Google Play Music so you could get this YouTube for free? Basically, get what you're getting and more. <laughs> I'm not planning on it at the moment. <laughs> I like Spotify. I like the Discover playlist. Yeah, I could definitely see it there if you're on the fence about music service and you're like, which one? Uh, but this that that could definitely push you over the edge of just if you're on the fence. I remember the one other unknown, unknown Rumsfeld would be so proud. Thanks, John Ashcroft. <laughs> was it Rumsfeld? I think it was Rumsfeld. Um, <laughs> one of those people. Uh, but there was one other unknown, unknown that uh, I didn't see anywhere. Google Play All Access Journeyman Music Pro Plus has a family plan if i have the family plan does that extend to youtube red yeah do you get family youtube because for 15 dollars a month for like five people or whatever create three people whatever craziness it is like i would absolutely do this for that because then it's a no-brainer like i can have it susan can have it you know if it is more than two people maybe i could like 
have a friend toss me a couple bucks and we let them into my family. <laughs> but yeah, that for that, like that price versus what you get for that much money, that to me is a no brainer. But just for myself, I don't really watch that much YouTube and I don't live, listen to enough music to really definitely push me over the edge. It would be a, a lot of a luxury and not a lot of a necessity. Now we could talk about books. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's a, I think these are all based on a New York Times article that had some data, but I, I haven't linked directly to that article. But these articles do, so you can follow the chain all the way down. Um, there's a couple articles that came out just kind of discussing ebooks. Why haven't they completely taken over the entire universe? Why are they still kind of 20% of the market of reading and not, you know, an overwhelming majority? And uh, there's, Two articles, one by M.G. Siegler, who has posted some pretty inflammatory stuff in the past, but um, <laughs> had some interesting thoughts more in the anecdotal hand wavy side. And uh, he was kind of observing that, you know, the 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 prevalence of physical books is kind of like vinyl, except vinyl is kind of a fad. Um, <laughs> kind so he, of, an interesting, kind of a fad. <laughs> well, there's an interesting chart of historical vinyl data that he links to, and it's like, obviously, in the mid-20th century, it's huge drops down to nothing and then blips back up barely in the past year and it's everyone's like vinyl is alive again and i'm like it's still like a shadow of its <laughs> former self you realize um anyway not here to talk about vinyl but um there's a sense that ebooks have not changed the world not the way netflix has changed watching tv and movies not the way that itunes and now spotify are changing music um, ebooks are not the disruptor they, they, they were cracked up to be. And sort of the question is why? And uh, I think this other article I have here from uh, Stratechery has some really interesting, you know, deep analysis into why. And it kind of boils down to, um, so the reason everyone thought ebooks would disrupt books is the, the textbook disruption model. It's, well, distribution now costs nothing and aggregators can appear on the internet and, you know, make recommendations and have a good user experience and suddenly people will stop buying those big hunks of dead trees. <laughs> um, but why hasn't this happened? And he's got three reasons. And then I thought we could hash this out and see what we think. Um, his three reasons are the price is really not much different. And sometimes it's not different at all. So ebooks are not really cheaper, usually. Um, sometimes, but not, not like dramatically, amazingly cheaper. Um, the other thing is, uh, arguably, the user experience is only a little bit better, and you actually lose some things. You can't easily share. Let's say you want to buy someone a book as a gift. Well, what device do you have? Well, I need to know what your account is, and all the surprise is gone now, and there's kind of these shenanigans involved. Well, I've credited your account. Now go buy that book, <laughs> or you know, just weird stuff like that. Um, reading, I mean, yeah, you get months-long battery life. You get backlights. You can read in the dark, but it's really... Not it's not dramatically better the way Netflix is compared to cable television. Um, and his last point is modularization. So this is actually a really interesting point that I may read a, a quote from his article. Um, so disruptors don't only... They're not just digital or aggregated, but they break up the incumbent 
into atomic unit. So in English, <laughs> Netflix offers you shows, not channels. You pick the show you want to watch. You don't care which network it was on. Um, iTunes and now Spotify, you're like, I want to hear that song. Right. Not the album. I don't want a radio. Artist, not a radio station. Not a radio station. Yeah. Um, Uber is like, you want a ride, not a car, <laughs> not like... Yeah, not a weird situation. Um, Airbnb is not making hotels; they're offering rooms. So uh, you get the idea. And books is like, well, <laughs> it's still books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's two parts. So this this is admittedly a lot of reading because there's the New York Times article, then there's this response to the New York Times article, then there's this other response to the New York Times article, then that one on Stratechery. He admits that some of that data actually turned out to be wildly misleading and he released like an update to that. So this is, I mean, it's a complicated issue to begin with. And then the meta discussion on top of it has made it even more kind of confusing. There's two really important points to this that I think build on top of the discussion you started, which is the overall ebook market is not going down the book market is going down. So a lot of people looked at this data and they were like, ah, ebooks are dipping, books are coming back, dead trees for everyone. But that's actually <laughs> not true. Ebooks have still maintained a, their about 20% saturation. But the reason ebook sales went down is because all book sales went down. And uh, the, the, I think it's the Stratechery guy. Um, guy? Is it a guy? They're climbing to the top of the Titanic, but it's still <laughs> <Right>. sinking. <laughs> um, but, but in one of these articles, uh, they're talking about other articles they've written. And they said, if you consider the average book is about 64, you know, novel is about 64,000 words, then in the time I've been writing this blog, I have written about 10 books worth of words, which means someone who's been reading his blog from like start to finish has that's time they couldn't read 10 books. And that's really what I think this all comes back to is this idea of the attention is a zero sum game. And I wish I could say I came up with that, but it's actually from one of these articles. Um, it's not that people are reading ebooks less. It's that people are just reading less books because we're watching videos. We're watching Netflix. We're listening to music. We're outside. We're with friends. We're asleep. We're playing video games, but we, we only have 24 hours in a day. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say I probably do read as much as a, a novel or book lover reads. It's just chopped up into a million tiny pieces of the right. internet instead of a concentrated book. Yeah, and th that's exactly what I think is happening here. And I, I really think these are two different discussions because are people reading books and why haven't ebooks taken over books are sort of separate discussions, but they there there's a little bit of circular happening because if everybody's reading less, then we're not going to fall all over ourselves to buy ebooks because it's like, why am I going to buy an ebook reader if I'm not reading books? I don't care what format the books are in. I'm not reading books, right? That's how most people seem to kind of be approaching this situation. And personally, yeah. After hearing things like this for a long time, after reading you know these articles and thinking about this, um, I am firmly convinced that exactly like vinyl, there's just hardcore nostalgia goggles happening. And I've had this discussion with people and they get very, very mad at me because they say, oh, I just, I love reading so much. I just, I love to go to a bookstore and you get a coffee and like you find a comfy chair and I'm like, when are you going to get to the part where you read? <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> yeah, you're doing everything except yeah, reading. And it's like you love, you love the idea of books. You love the weight of a book and the smell of a book. And you love talking with the librarian and the barista. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not shaming these people, but you've conflated this, like the culture around reading with the act of reading. Just like a lot of people who yeah. are into cars, one of the things they really love about cars is getting together with other people and just talking about cars. That's why you have car shows. Yeah. And, you know, when you describe it that way, and I mean, I think this is a well-established joke that people buy books and don't read them, <laughs> but they're on their bookshelf. Like, hey, look at what I could have known and read. And, <laughs> But it's also, you know, it's like badges of flair or like... <laughs> This is who I think of myself as this kind of guy. Look at the books I have. And it's kind of like a little show of personality, which also is not reading. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, maybe people need to admit that their books are really like little dolls or collectibles and not <laughs> an actual media consumption. Well, I mean, wouldn't effort. you say vinyl apps and, and, and any kind of like movie posters and things Anything art-related all falls into this category of I am displaying the things I'm into to broadcast loudly the kind of person I am or think I am or want to be. And more specifically, whether I am or not, the person I want you to think I am. And again, yeah. there's, I'm not decrying this behavior. I mean, we're social creatures. We want to have control over how other people view us. It's just unfortunate to me that people are like, oh, I love to read. And it's like, do you? How many books have you read? It's like, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to be a person who loves to read. And the answer is, you've read them all, just not recently. So don't ask <laughs> me about them. Oh, yeah. No, I, I read that years ago. Yeah. It, it's, I just, I, I barely even remember it. It was so long ago. Yeah. And, and this is, I, it's, it's really hard to separate who we want to be and who we actually are. And because that cognitive dissonance, I think people get pissy when you challenge that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I sympathize, I guess like, but to me, ebooks are a non, it's just like, like DVDs. Like why the hell would yeah. I ever buy another DVD when I could just stream it on Netflix or even just buy a digital copy? Like, I don't want my, my house full of might food. I want, one book that holds 50 bajillion books yeah well i mean that's part of the because ebooks was just such the obvious next industry that would be disrupted and you know setting aside the pie is shrinking the titanic is sinking part of it within that universe it's it is still really interesting why ebooks has not taken over and i do think a lot of it is that it it really doesn't improve the experience that much yeah, it's convenient that the little half pound thing has all the books on it. Um, but while you're reading a certain book, that's not a big deal. I mean, I don't read 50,000 books at a time. Um, <laughs> when I'm ready to switch books, it's nice that I don't have to go hunting through a library, but um, I do have to deal with a UI of a library, <laughs> which isn't always amazing. Um, it's It's kind of a push in my mind. Like, yeah, it's it's more convenient in some ways, but only at certain moments in the reading experience. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all gotten used to disruption, meaning like overnight. Like it seems like if you look back, the, the digital music revolution took like a decade, but everybody remembers like Napster and everybody remembers like when iTunes launched. So there's and the iPod, like there's these 
very clear moments in history where you you can look back at them and even at the time you can look at them and be like oh everything just changed you know the steve yeah. jobs moment of like you know think different but if you look at some of the the data that's in like the one of these six links deep articles uh, where he actually aggregates the data correctly um the disruption is happening it's just happening kind of slow but the the way he breaks it down is book sales from non ISBN books so like books that aren't even listed as you know like traditional books and then ISBN indie books indie published so like your Kindle singles that kind of thing um Amazon published books you know specifically on their platform uh and then non traditionally non reported traditionally published and then reported traditionally published and if you look at the trend on this graph the indie published part of it has almost completely gone away because now indie authors can get their stuff to people without going through like little art house, you know, publishing agents. Um, they can get stuff right to people on the Kindle store. You know, the, the authors don't need the, the giant machine that they used to need. But the thing is, none of that really matters to the reader. Like all of that, it hasn't changed <laughs> the price of the book. It hasn't changed the quality of the books. It's maybe changed the availability of certain books that otherwise might've not been on the market, but there's already so much stuff. But if you look at this trend, and this is only over about a year and a half, and if you look at this trend, the amount of stuff that's published by individuals and not published by giant publishing companies is absolutely, like in double-digit percentages, shifting away from publishers having all the power. So I think the disruption is happening it's just not the hockey stick night and day yeah. that we've kind of like come to expect and i want this like i'm i i you know i want people reading i want stuff you know people to be able to get their work published i want this to happen i want people to stop killing trees so that they can read a stupid novella like <laughs> just buy one kindle and then read all the stupid novellas you want and then I don't know, have a blog or a Goodreads account with all the books you read so that everybody can see how well read you are. Whatever it is you got to do to make yourself feel better. Yeah. You don't, do you, uh, you have a nook, don't you? Somewhere. We never use it anymore. When, do you ever read ebooks? Do you just do it on an iPad? Yeah, I'm reading through the, the now canon Star Wars novels that are, were released in <laughs> September. There's five. All the extended universe is gone, but there's there's new novels. Are they and, where what when do they take place? What's it bridging? So it's a little before episode four, bridging all the way to seven. Okay. Oh okay. Can we do can we do one quick discussion about Star Wars? Yes. Did you buy tickets for Star Wars? Oh yes. When are you going? Uh it's the Saturday. Is that the eighteenth? Uh, 19th, maybe, maybe, maybe the 19th, yeah. it's but, the Saturday. So I am in like the happiest, sad position when it comes to nerd stuff that I've been in for a long time. Uh, Susan doesn't really care about star Wars. She just, she never really got into it. It's just, you know, she's into plenty of nerd stuff, so I can't give her too hard of a time, but star Wars just not high on her list. So I work from home. So I booked a couple hours off and I'm going to go to a matinee the day the show comes out <laughs> at the theater right down the street from my house, but I have to go alone. So you watch the trailer? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not your brother. I'm not crazy. 
Uh, Do you think Luke is going to be the main villain? Everybody, that's like the current working theory of the internet. No, no, I don't. I don't see it. I would like them not to do that because it seems really easy to mess that up. I think it could be done right, but it also seems really easy to go lame and cheesy with it. Now I could see them making it seem like he's a villain for a while, and then ha ha, success. See, my theory is exactly that that by not showing him in the trailer and by not highlighting him on the poster, they're just leaving the door open for people to make wild assumptions. But they didn't say he's the villain, so they're not lying. They just didn't give us enough information to prove or disprove it. And everybody loves a fallen hero, so everybody immediately latched on to, like, Luke is Vader now, oh my god. (laughs) But I just feel like that would be such a boring rehash of, like, Hey, remember that Skywalker that went bad and then had to be redeemed? Yeah, we're doing that again. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. It, it could be done well, but there's so many more ways to do it bad. So many more ways to be really poor about it. But I could imagine something where like Luke can't be redeemed. Like he's so much more powerful than Vader and he's amassed like this following and and like Han has like shoot him in the face and then he would get to have a quippy little one-liner about how blasters are better than lightsabers and she'd be like, boom. Yeah. But no, I, that would be terrible. But <laughs> I think, you know, J.J. Abrams uh, has proven that he never really wanted to make Star Trek. He only wanted to make Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I'm excited, but I, I am sad that I have to yeah. go alone. But I'm not seeing it in 3D. Good. <laughs> Justin will be excited. <laughs> Do you have a... Uh, that like crazy was it like 70 millimeter theater or something what's the the Um, right way you're supposed to see movies now i don't know (laughs) well it depends how they were shot i mean there's because like you know christopher nolan likes to shoot with imax format cameras so seeing it in imax is a great way but the only imax showings of star wars are 3d there's no 2d imax so it's like uh, so justin's mounting a twitter campaign to get that fixed i'm sure a change.org petition, maybe? <laughs> it's just Twitter polls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's that's where we got to put a ball on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. You can find the show notes for this episode, as always, at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 90. I don't think I've said that number <laughs> normally once the entire episode. A nonagenarian? What is the word for 90? I have no idea. It's I have no idea. You You can do some live Googling. Octogenarian plus 10. There you go. <laughs> uh, Mike and I love feedback. If you're going to see Star Wars or you hate ebooks or whatever you want to let us know, the easiest way is on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Lions and Beta and Mike, you are Medwards Music. Not at Medwards Music, just Medwards Music. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, if you like the show, you like what we're doing, um, the easiest way to make sure you always get new episodes delivered to you every week is by subscribing. Uh, on iOS devices, you've got the built-in podcast app, but you've also got Pocket Cast and Overcast.fm. On Android, there's, uh, I think, was it Podcast Addict that uh, Matt uses? Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I'm still using Pocket Cast, of course, and you can open those up and search for Flipping Tables, or you can go right to our website and press the subscribe button, and it'll take you directly into your, your podcatcher of choice. And that way, you never have to remember when the show comes out, even though it is, always comes out on Tuesday. It'll just get delivered right to your device. 
If you want to take another step and really help other people find the show, you can go leave us a review on iTunes. Um, iTunes, a market that has not been disrupted. They're still kind of controlling <laughs> the podcast index of the universe. Uh, so leaving reviews on there, rating the show helps other people find it. And then if you want to go the extra super above and beyond mile and subscribe, you can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the level you support us at, you can get your name shouted out at the end of the show. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, and Sean Byrne. Thank you guys so much. We could not do it without you. See you next week. See you next week. Thank you.